we worship you, Jesus. You are the lamb who was slain. You are the one, Jesus, the sacrifice for our sins. We love you. We praise you. We lift you high today. We ask, God, that you'd open our eyes to see you more. And you'd open our ears to understand you more. And you'd live your life in us and through us for your glory. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, band. I appreciate it. Good morning, community of faith, Christian fellowship, otherwise known as CFCF. My name is Jeff Bianchi, and I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, My wife, Sarah, and I have been married 11 years, and uh, we have three children, Jude, five, Jake, three, and Liv, 10 months. And uh, yes, she's getting older. And it's just a joy and a privilege to be here uh, on this day. You know, uh, as you see from these cards that some of you are, as Matt is uh, fanning himself with on this kickoff Sundays, I do encourage you to grab one of these cards and hand it out to someone this week to let them know about the good things that are happening because we have a lot of anticipation uh, of what God wants to do among us in the upcoming months. You know, I'm not really anticipating what's going on so much because who we are, even though I love us a lot, but I've seen Jesus be faithful to us over the course of years. And he's got something wonderful uh, to, to um, uh, do in our lives. So uh, make sure you get a chance to hand these out this week, invite people to kick off Sunday. But for some of you, this is a bit of a kickoff Sunday. It may be your first time here at Community of Faith, Christian Fellowship. I met a few college students Uh, I love college students. I tell you, I love them. And I'm glad you and you and whoever else college students are here today. Um, I was reminded as we were worshiping this morning, when I was 20 years old, I was in uh, university in Texas, not University of Texas, Texas A&M, in College Station. And uh, 20 years old was when Jesus got a hold of my life. I mean, in a most radical and profound way. And uh, here, 27 years later, I can say Jesus is sweeter than he's ever been. I mean, he's not just as good as he was. I'm not just trying to hold on to something that I had back then, as exciting as it was in loving and sharing about Jesus. But it gets better and better. Is it all easy? No, it's not easy all the time. But he gets better. He is better all the time. But our understanding of him gets better. So I invite you in to the journey with us today. Who here is... uh, Uh, here for the first time. Not going to call you out, not do anything else. Just raise your hand. Let's hear it for them. Welcome them here. Yeah, I I have said this uh, times before, but whether you've been here at Community of Faith many, many times or it's your first time, welcome home. Glad to have you with us today and hope that you feel that love and compassion. We just completed a series entitled uh, Antioch, the church can change the world. Anybody enjoy that series out there about uh, what God uh, has called us to as a church and, and emulating what God's doing in the book of Acts? Um, and uh, we, um, we are going to be uh, going into a series talking about our core value that Sandra mentioned earlier, our core values, loving God, sharing life, and proclaiming Jesus. We're going to talk about that next week, but this is kind of a segue into that message. And uh, the subject that I want to talk about kind of segueing between this 
Book of Acts church message that we gave and the, the message about God's heart for us through loving Him, sharing life, and proclaiming Jesus is about hospitality. Say that with me today. Hospitality. This uh, upcoming few weeks, or it's already started, uh, this upcoming couple of weeks here in Boston is a time when we have an incredible influx into our city. Anybody see that yesterday when you were driving along? I mean, you know, weaving in and out of, you know, cars and and moving vans and everything else coming in. And uh, probably um, anywhere between, I would guess, 150 to 200,000 students coming in because some were here the whole time throughout the year, but just so many uh, students and then others that have transferred for jobs and different things. It is a time uh, as really no other in our city where we're welcoming people. And, um, you know, I think that this message of hospitality is really important to talk about today uh, because we're receiving quite a few people in our city. Um, uh, At Community of Faith Christian Fellowship, we at this church, have desired to be a people that are about people, a people that are a community of faith, and and we want to make sure that we keep our attitude of hospitality, which we feel like is one of the most important things. It's been said before, people come to church for a thousand reasons, but primarily people stay for one reason. What is that reason? Relationship. Right? Either relationship with God, relationship with others. People come for all kinds of reasons. But people will stay for primarily one reason, and that reason is relationship. Hospitality is a huge part of this relational aspect of our church, and it's going to continue to be a part of that aspect uh, as those who have received hospitality. Anybody in here received hospitality and kindness and generosity? As those who receive it, and hopefully some of you over here are receiving it today, you can take it out with you to the next level. But it, it, it stops or it continues with the next generation of people that receive that hospitality and kindness. So today we're going to talk about that. Uh, hospitality is defined as a relationship between the guest and the host. It's pretty simple. It's the act or practice of being hospitable. Um, it includes the reception and entertainment of guests, uh, visitors or strangers. I don't like the word strangers that much, but uh, people you don't know so well. Let's take a look real quickly at the Bible, and uh, we're going to see what it has to say about hospitality. If you turn with me in the uh, Bible to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verses 7 through verse 11. Uh, And we do, uh, one of the things I want to encourage you with today is that we take God's Word, the Bible, extremely uh, joyfully seriously. We believe that this is God's Word for practice in our lives. And so as we're looking at this, we're not just looking at the latest sentiment about what's a good idea, but we're saying, God, what have you ordained from the very beginning of time? And what have you uh, shared throughout the course of time in order for us to come uh, to know you better? And so that's what we're going to do today. Let's read here in verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. 
Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I want to give you context for where we're reading. This is 1 Peter, the apostle, the disciple of Jesus, Peter, who had received such mercy and such grace from Jesus. This is the same Peter that betrayed Jesus. The same Peter that when Jesus was being led to the cross, when he was about to go through his his, uh, trial and to the cross, that denied Jesus three times and, and was calling curses down on himself, denying that he knew Jesus. And then it says... In, in, uh, in the Gospels, it says, and Jesus looked across the courtyard straight into the eyes of Peter at that moment. Wow. Imagine what that was. This is the Peter who received grace, mercy, and hospitality from the Lord Jesus. Let's look at what this verse says to us today. The first thing we want to say about hospitality is that godly hospitality is a joy, not a burden. That's joyful. Say joyful. Joyful. Godly hospitality is joyful. It's funny. (laughs) Peter must have seen me being hospitable at times. He said, offer hospitality without grumbling. Any of you ever done that? You know, uh, something's going on and you're blessing someone, but you're really not blessed. You're uh, doing something for someone, but you're considering it an imposition rather than a joy. Well, Peter is making very clear here that the true godly hospitality is a joy and it's not a burden. You know, practicing godly hospitality shouldn't be with clenched teeth, shouldn't be something that is forced upon us, but with that ever joyfulness of spirit that we have been so richly given love from God and we can give it to others. You know, hospitality does not have to do with the size of your home. It does not have to do with the size of your income. It does not have to do with the size of your truck. Some of you have big trucks in here. Uh, It has to do, or your car, or whatever else that may be, it has to do with the size of your heart in every way, shape, and form. My wife and I, after we were first married, moved to Etna Street in Brighton. Anybody know where Etna Street is? Off of uh, North Beacon Street here and uh, Market. And uh, we moved there the day after... We got back home from our honeymoon. We moved in. Sarah had never lived in Boston before, and uh, we, we started our journey on 38 Etna Street in Brighton. And I loved our home. I mean, my wife did an incredible job with our home. I mean, my wife, she is very stylish and does things really well, and I thought our home looked awesome. But I want to tell you a few things about our home uh, that might be of interest to you, and it's, it has to do with this particular uh, topic of Uh, the size of your heart versus the size of whatever else, your home or income or cars or anything else. Um, We, we, by the way, had our first two children. Jude Knight Bianchi uh, was born uh, uh, in January of 2009, and we had him uh, in the hospital, but we moved him home. And then Jake Saint was born. And uh, so we had two kids, two of our three kids there, and uh, so the first thing you want to know about this is it was, um, it was one of those multi-level houses. How many of you live in a multi-level? 
I mean, quite a few, you know, the apartments are kind of stacked on top of each other, which is fine, but it has to do with, you know, noise and, and different things. A little, little restricting, but not too bad. The second thing is that it was 950 square feet. Now, 950 square feet is not too bad. Um, I'm sure some of you may be living in that, and it had one bathroom. For those of you who have just moved to Boston, <laughs> I mean, it, if you tell people your family has two or three bathrooms, they're going to look at you like, two or three bathrooms? You know, when you get to Boston for like five years, somebody tells you they have two bathrooms, you're just, you know, you're practically judging them for their uh, incredible uh, wealth. But anyway, it had one bathroom standard uh, there. I know... John, you have three, don't you? Four? Well, praise the Lord for John. I probably used every one of those bathrooms at one point. But anyway, <clears throat> maybe not. Uh, so anyway, we, 950 square feet. I mean, that's not too big. And one bathroom. Now, the point of the matter of what I'm trying to say is that our house had no hallways. Some of you were in it, but it didn't have hallways. It was just one long room into a room into a room into a room into a room, which is fine, but our bathroom was in the, grand, the master bedroom, if you understand what I'm saying. So it made hosting a little bit interesting. And so uh, uh, we, um, we had our master bedroom, so you walked into the living room, then you went through our master bedroom if you wanted to go to the bed bathroom and then you walk through there to get to the kitchen and then if you walk through there to get to our other bedroom which really means it wasn't a well anyway wasn't a two-bedroom it was a one-bedroom rented as a two-bedroom we made that a bedroom but uh what happened is that when people came over and spent the night we had to figure something out and uh, it wasn't sleeping in my bed i wanted to sleep in my own bed uh and uh but um uh, so what we did was we rigged this, uh, we rigged this system up where uh, when people came over, we could uh, connect on one side of the wall to the other side of the wall, a curtain just rigged at the end of our bed. So they walked through our room to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, and we're just hiding behind the curtain. We're within the veil. <clears throat> Hi there. How are you doing? Mark, you visited once and sat on the end of our bed. It was a little uncomfortable, but... It was the middle of the day, so that was fine. Uh, but so, I mean, uncomfortable a little bit. But here's what God enabled, not us because we're great, but God put in our hearts that the church is built upon hospitality uh, it, because Christ is the first one that is hospitable. I'll talk about that more. And uh, we were going to be a people who valued relationship over valuing other things. So um, here's a few things that happened. Over the course of the eight years that we were in this apartment, we had two couples live with us, so that's interesting, um, for periods of time, not at the same time, but we had one couple live for three weeks, maybe not that long, and one for four weeks, but I mean, you know, that's, uh, that's something. We had uh, another single lady who lived with us for a month. Uh, her bedroom it consisted of, if any of you have been to our house, uh, a uh, pull-out, that was her whole room, you know, this little sliver in the front with a, a, a pull-out uh, love seat, you know, that was like... Uh, 30 square feet? I don't know. But, uh, we, and we had one gal, I don't know if she's here today, Melissa LaCasse, uh, who at that time was Melissa Sales. She and Greg go to our church. She lived for three months with us. She is the cleanest lady ever, so it was a wonderful thing. But we had people live with us forever, and we had people spend the night with us. We wondered, why do people want to do it? 
Why do people want to do it? Why do they want to be in this small place? But we learned, I mean, you know, if you've lived in Boston long enough, everybody's got their Boston fix that they need, never in the wintertime, always in the fall or some other time. But, I mean, we hosted everyone. No, that's not true. We hosted a few people. And it was really through this that we saw, those who stayed with us, by the way, I just want to commend you. If you ever stayed with us, you were a brave soul. To have, to have, and uh, really, not really that many weird things happened in eight years, so I'm glad. Uh, once again, though, this is what we learned. We learned in this, and I think as a church we can learn this, and whatever God's given you, whatever He hasn't given you, that hospitality has to do with the size of your heart, not the size of your home, not the size of your income, not the size of anything else. When I was a single guy and had first moved here, I moved here 16 years ago, single guy living on Beechcroft here in Brighton, and uh, a couple of guys that got involved, one actually became an elder at some point at our church, they, they laughed at me because I hosted them for a dinner and, you know, I had put Kentucky Fried Chicken in the, uh, in the uh, oven to keep heated, you know, but I was saying, I don't know how to cook, I don't really know, but I'm going to practice hospitality. What is it that God's given you an opportunity for? Let's read again. So the first thing, again. Godly hospitality is a joy. It's not a burden. It was a joy for us to have people in our homes all those times. No, it was, I wasn't always joyful, <laughs> uh, but God got to work on me in it, right? And, uh, and it ultimately turned out to be a great joy. Let's read 3 John chapter 1 and verse 5. This is not the book of John, by the way, for those who may be new to this. This is not the gospel of John, but this is a book. There are three books that the same apostle the same disciple that wrote the gospel of john wrote and this is the third letter really that john wrote and we're going to read out of that third john chapter one verse five through eight john speaking here so we got one disciple peter that spoke and we got the second disciple john these guys hung out with jesus they know a lot about how he practiced it dear friend you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters even though they are strangers to you they have told the church about your love please send them on their way in a manner that honors god it was for the sake of the name that they went out receiving no help from the pagans we ought therefore to show what hospitality to such people that so that we may work together for the truth Godly hospitality should be provided for those who are working to advance God's truth. This is hopeful. I'll explain why. Say hopeful. Hopeful. It's joyful and it's hopeful. Why is this? Well, we should do everything we can in order to serve one another in, in promoting God's purpose on earth. And hospitality plays a huge role in it uh, as the church. Um, but... Uh, Things in the kingdom of God do not operate out of a buying and selling mentality. Now, we operate that way, right? I buy stuff and I sell stuff. You know, selling stuff and yard sales and eBay is never as good as you think at first. You think you're going to make a million and then you get about 50 bucks. But anyway, just a side note comment. Uh, buying and selling is the, way of the king, is the way of the world's kingdom, right? But the way of God's kingdom is giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. It's the, it's the thing that just can blow the doors of the world when they see the good news of Jesus expressed in a group of people that are giving and receiving. Not demanding payment. You know, Sarah and I didn't write out a receipt every time someone stayed at our home and said that'll be $37.50 
uh, or that'll be 137.50. You could have, you know. No, we provided that hospitality and grace for people. One thing that I found interesting, by the way, is that people will spend their lives trying to be affluent enough to where they don't need other people. You spend your life, you're working and working so that when you have to move, you can hire movers to come and move all your stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, goodness gracious Lord, I would take it in a heartbeat. I have moved some people. I'm an expert mover. You want to talk about it. I, but I would take that. But you know what I think's better? is a group of people who say, I want to give myself to God. I want to give myself to His purposes. And if I don't have enough money, the, the give and receive comes in. It's not the buy and the sell. It's the give and receive. I have given and sowed in richly. I mean, it is almost embarrassing how much people are willing to serve me. And hopefully I would serve them. I mean, I could never repay some of you for all the ways that you have served us. But we work all of our lives in order at times to avoid, maybe we're not trying to avoid it, but we're fearful, you know, and it's simpler. You know, life is simpler if you uh, have a lot of money to, to pay for certain things maybe, but life is not more full in that way. So anyway, but godly hospitality should uh, be provided for those working to advance God's truth. The exciting thing about the concept of of providing and, and uh, taking part with other people who are working for Jesus' purposes is uh, this. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 14, Jesus speaks and says, Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive what? A prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person who uh, is righteous will receive a righteous person's reward. Man, that's exciting. We can all be a part of this. I don't exactly know what a prophet's reward is, but Jesus clearly says here, if I practice hospitality, not just looking for what I can get, but looking for what I can give, if I practice that, I share in it. You know, I, some of you may not be able to do what I do, but I can't do what you do. And if I share in serving you, then I share in the Lord and in that reward when we see Him face to face. It is really encouraging. From families... How many of you have hosted a progressive dinner around here? Anybody? I know you guys. Raise your hand, Mike. You've hosted, you host a progressive dinner every night, but uh, with all of your family. <laughs> anyway, from those who, what else have you done? Goodness. Who have um, housed people that have done our discipleship training school? You are hosting those. You're sharing the reward of what God does in their lives. Uh, from those who host fall, small groups, faith groups. You, you receive people into your home. What happens in people's lives is a gift credited to your account in God. And you say, well, I don't really like you talking about, you know, God giving stuff. I just want to be pure and give it for... Well, Jesus mentioned reward. The one reward we all know is Him. It's Jesus, all Jesus. But He also said to us, there will be a reward for those who share with God's people. Those who care for those who are God's people seeking to pursue His purposes. And we share in that reward. I'm excited to see what kind of reward uh, God has for us as we come together. We are co-laborers, is what it said, in Jesus. And so when you are working with someone else and serving them in their gift, instead of us being jealous of someone else's gift, serve someone with that gift and you share in it as well. And it's an awesome thing. Well, so that is hopeful. It's hopeful to me that when I share, it, it makes a difference in the kingdom. So we first said that the gospel and, and practicing hospitality 
is a joyful thing. It should be a joyful thing because we have opportunity to give. And it is a hopeful thing because we share in, in each other's lives and in what God is doing. And the last thing I want to do is us to turn to Romans chapter 12 and verses 9 through 13. It says here, and this is again, this is written by Paul, okay? So we've heard from the, the apostle John, we've heard from the apostle Peter, and now we're hearing from the apostle John. we got three different perspectives from three men who saw Jesus. The first two saw Jesus when they went around with him on his three years in ministry. Paul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus when Jesus appeared to him. And, but these men saw Jesus, and they're talking about hospitality. I think we should listen. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice what? Hospitality. Hospitality. Godly hospitality reaches those who are in need. So we've talked about the fact that godly hospitality is joyful. Godly hospitality is hopeful. There's something else important to us which actually intermixes with joy. Is godly hospitality is sacrificial. It's sacrificial. It goes beyond what's always comfortable for us. But it expands our hearts and expands God's kingdom. Jesus was very clear in his teachings. If you look through the book of John, the, the Mark, Matthew, Luke, John, the, the four uh, gospel accounts of Jesus' life, you see that Jesus was very uh, clear in his teaching that we are not to give merely to those who can pay us back. What is that called? Um, those of you at the JFK School of Ju- Government? Quid pro quo, I think that's what it's called. Giving back in a way that, uh, you know, giving in order to receive. He says, don't only do that. He says, you give to those who have no possible way, I'm I'm paraphrasing here, of of giving back to you, and then you will certainly not lose your reward. There Jesus goes talking about reward again. This distinguishes true godly community from a simple kind of thing of I scratch your back and you scratch mine. You give to me, I give to you. That's really not the giving and receiving type of thing. This is what truly distinguishes. God wants us to be distinguished as a people, not distinguished in a way that is arrogant or prideful, but uh, something that is fragrant, something that people, uh, you ever walked by and smelled something just really Really great. The flowers and spring, you know, something that catches the attention. That's what God wants our community to be. Something that captures the attention of the world around us and causes them to say, I want in on that party too. We look at it here. And uh, when you give to those who can't pay you back, in this case, that giving is practicing hospitality, you will receive your reward from your heavenly Father. 
You know, a true issue with hospitality is not how much you have or do not have. It's not a matter of this person has a big house or this person has a little house. I've said that before. But the true issue is this. Is what you have, no matter what it is, available for the sake of others? Is it? Is that new car you bought off limits for any person who would touch it? I'm not saying just say, hey, guys, take my car out for a spin. Just bang it up, you know, as much as you want. I'm not saying being reckless with it. But is what you're buying, is what you're accumulating open to the needs of others? That, to me, is a very simple way of looking at the difference between simplicity and, and worldliness and, and having a spirit that, that attaches. Well, the best example, the most powerful illustration that I think I've heard of this was relayed to me. It was told to me by a friend of mine and a former pastor uh, at Antioch Community Church in Dallas, Texas. His name is Ben Loring. I say was Ben Loring because he passed away over the last year or so. And uh, uh, such a dear father and brother in the Lord. Anyway, he uh, and his wife moved to Dallas, a fairly affluent place. I, I grew up in Dallas, right? In Dallas, the issue is not whether you have a Mercedes or a BMW. It's what year is your Mercedes, what year is your BMW, right? 2011 BMW. That's the spirit that I grew up under. Uh, it's maybe not that bad, but it's very materialistic society. It can be at times. <clears throat> but um, Ben and his wife... Ruth chose to move to Dallas and plant a seed of hospitality. They chose to plant a seed of kingdom living that turned everything on its head. And that seed is now bearing fruit throughout that city. And I believe will ultimately cause the riches of Dallas to go to those who are broken and hurting. Ben came to teach in our training school one year, quite a few years ago. And he just kind of an offhand comment he was talking about was how he had such a heart for those who were homeless and they lived, he and his wife, they had a big place, and they paid quite a bit for it downtown. Uh, it, was, it was a big, hospitable kind of place. But one of the reasons Ben and Ruth lived downtown in Dallas was they wanted to minister to the homeless. Now, a lot of people say they want to minister to the homeless. I say that, and God convicts me, often through my son Jude, five-year-old, about the homeless. I want to get better. But they cared for the homeless. He comes to me, Ben, or he's just talking to us um, a few years ago when he was here for teaching in our training school, and he said, yes, uh, my wife Ruth and I just absolutely love the homeless, and we're seeing God do something in their hearts. He said, I would imagine that we have done 600 loads of laundry in our own washer and dryer for homeless people. We've done 600 loads, just washed, fed them a meal, cared for them, gave them a clean, you know, clean, well, however many clothes they had, and sent them back out. And I was just stunned, you know. Like, wow, that's putting your money where your mouth is there. But one of the things I thought was interesting is Ben said, you know, <clears throat> but along the way, as we were beginning to do this, I really had um, such a heavy, heavy place in my heart because my wife uh, was, uh, really enjoyed having a really beautiful, nice hosting place, a nice home, and we had these really nice new couches. And I looked at my wife, Ruth, who has also gone to be with the Lord, passed away of cancer, and they're enjoying their reward now. I just honor the two of them. But she had been, uh, uh, she was there, and Ben said to her, Ruth, honey, I just want you to know, you're so valuable to me. We don't have to, I know that when we're washing all these folks' clothes, they're sitting on your couch, 
<laughs> you know, uh, and many come in and out all the time, and they're sitting on this beautiful couch. I'll do whatever it takes, you know, whatever we need to do. And she looked at Ben, and she said something that I thought was key in what we're talking about today. Ben said she looked back at him, and she said, Is that couch going to heaven? And Ben said, No. <laughs> no, it's, I don't think so, theologically. She said, well, they can sit on that couch because what's truly important is people. Is that couch going to heaven? No, that couch is not going to heaven, and it's meant for the sake of others. She was willing in every way to sacrifice what she had for the sake of expanding God's kingdom. You know, I would say Ruth died, as I said, of lung cancer at the age of 65. But Ruth made a wise investment. Ruth was a hospitable person. She practiced hospitality to those who were in need and, and been her husband. And she received a rich, rich welcome in the kingdom of our God for all eternity. So let me review real quickly. And then I want to share just something with those of you who may be on a spiritual journey. In conclusion, we've seen from the Bible here that godly hospitality is joyful. Say joyful. It doesn't depend on the size of your possessions, but the size of the heart that God gives you for people. Don't wait. As, Jay, uh, as John Rockefeller said, uh, who was um, a very wealthy man in his day, he said, I would have never tithed a million dollars unless I had tithed my first paycheck, which was a dollar and 25 cents. Don't wait till you got a lot to start giving. You give and practice hospitality with what you got now. The second thing is it is hopeful. Say hopeful. You can have a great hope that you're making a difference. Every time you practice hospitality in Jesus' name, you're making a difference and you're advancing God's kingdom by, by serving those who are serving God and His purposes. And it is sacrificial. One last time. Bear with me. Say sacrificial. It costs something to practice hospitality. But I'm going to tell you this. The reward is well beyond what it would cost. Oftentimes in our lives, we're pursuing comfort first, and we miss the true comfort that God has. But if we're willing to let go, if we're willing to take a risk, if we're willing to sacrifice joyfully with hope, God will provide something wonderful. He's, the reward is worth it here, and it's worth it in the eternal kingdom. So I want to just speak to you real quickly here who are on a spiritual journey. I want to first of all say, I'm delighted you're here. I love people on spiritual journeys. I love that you are wanting to know more about God. Or you came here, maybe you were invited here today, and um, you just knew it was church. You, you may or may not have known a lot about what it meant. But I want to mention something to you and just kind of tying it in with our message today. The reason that we are able to practice hospitality as a church uh, is because Jesus is the most hospitable one. Jesus is the most hospitable person in all of eternity. Let me explain that to you a little bit. In 1 John, I believe we have this passage. I want you to look at it. It's for those of you on a journey here spiritually and, and those of you who'd like to re review this fact. Jesus says here in 1 John 14, 2 through 4, My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. Um, uh, or, or if that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you also may be where? Where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. (laughs) Well, this is hospitality all over it. My father's house has many rooms and I'm going to prepare it for you. He's going to prepare a place. Jesus, the ultimate hospitable one. There are two questions, I think, that we must answer from this passage. And for those of you seeking, I just challenge you to answer these questions with me and to seek uh, not what I'm saying, but seek God in His Word and see what He's saying. The first is, who is this place being prepared for that Jesus is talking about? Well, if we'll do a little bit of review, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, that wasn't just a fairy tale. That doesn't just go off, you know, go along with, um, uh, you know, um, trying to think of a fairy tale. It is, it is true that Adam and Eve disobeyed God, the first man and woman, in the garden, and, and, the place was, and the relationship with God was broken. That God, ever since that time, has been committed to preparing a place for us and bringing us back to be and dwell and live with Him. That's why Jesus, over 2,000 years ago, the second person of the Godhead, Jesus, God, became a man. He came from heaven to earth. He lived a sinless life for 33 years. He was falsely accused. And he was murdered on a cross. You know what a cross is? It's the electric chair of his day. That's what it was. On that cross, Jesus took the sin of the world upon himself. He took your sin. He took my sin. He took the sin of the world upon himself. Because he was sinless, he could take the punishment of sin. God was not desiring to punish us, but God must find a way to deal with His righteous anger against sin. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. This place in heaven is being prepared for those who believe upon Jesus Christ alone for salvation. And I'll talk and tie that in this next one. So the first one is, who is it prepared for? It is prepared for those who receive the message of Jesus. Jesus said, I'm preparing it for you. You have an invitation, right? You can hand one of these out this week. It's an invitation, but someone doesn't have to receive it, and that's okay. But Jesus gave an invitation, those who received Him. So the first one, who is this place being prepared for? I believe we are working on answering there. The second question is, how do I enter that place that Jesus is preparing? What's the ticket? (laughs) And... um, Immediately following Jesus' encouragement, right here in John chapter 14, Jesus said this. He said, um, uh, he, he told his disciples, you're preparing a place, and that they knew the way. And the disciples came back. I didn't, we didn't read this portion, but they said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Where's, how do we, what's the way? And what did Jesus say to them? And let him say it to your heart today, for you as a seeker. Oh, He's saying it to you today. I can feel it in your own heart. I can't feel it, but I can feel that you would be feeling it. (laughs) Uh, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Whoever, no one will come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. And no one may enter in except through Him. 
For those of you today on that journey, you said, you know what? (laughs) I want to hook my train, so to speak. I want to hook up with what Jesus is doing. I want to link into him for all of eternity. I want to invite you. If you are on a journey and you've been willing, you're willing today to accept that Jesus is preparing a place for you in heaven, the ultimate place of hospitality, and that he is the only way to enter that place into eternal life, I'm going to ask you to pray with me and receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. It's a simple prayer. It's not magical, the words. But if you truly mean this before God, He will forevermore forgive your sins and receive you in all of eternity and empower you to live a victorious life here on earth. There's three things that we're going to do in this prayer. You're going to admit that you're a sinner, just as I've admitted that I'm a sinner and couldn't do enough good things to make it right with God. You're going to accept the death of Jesus Christ on the cross as the payment for your sin. That Jesus' death alone, it's not good works or any other thing, but the death of Jesus, the perfect one for us, is enough. And you're going to receive Him as your Savior and your Lord. The one that saves you and gives you eternal access to God and the one who is your Lord, who when He asks you to do something, you say, yes, Lord, your servant here is listening. If you desire to, pray with me right now. Just pray after me. You can pray softly right where you are. And God is listening. God, thank you for making me. I admit, God, that I have sinned and have gone my own way. I admit that I can't do enough good things to make it right. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins and that you took my punishment on that cross. I receive you, Jesus, and you alone as my Savior, And as my Lord, I choose to believe in you and to follow you for the rest of my days on earth and throughout the rest of eternity. Thank you for coming into my heart and making me a new creation in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's great joy. We welcome you home to God today. We welcome you home to CFCF today. And I want to ask John Clark and Mark Buckner, two pastors on our staff, to lead us out in further response. God bless you, and we'll look forward to seeing you in these upcoming kickoff weeks.